Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters with your host, Betty Jo Tucker, author of Confessions of a Movie Attic, right here at www.blogtalkradio.com. Hi, movie fans. This is Betty Jo Tucker thanking you for tuning in to Movie Attic Headquarters. You don't have to be a movie addict to visit here, of course. But if you are one, it's definitely the place for you. And we have a special treat for you today, folks, because filmmaker Guy Megar is here to talk about Kiss Me Quick Before I Shoot, his entertaining memoir about working as a director and writer and producer in Hollywood. Guy's numerous film credits include Children of the Corn, Revelation, Lookin' Italian, Stepfather 3, and Retribution, which is a cult horror flick celebrating its 25th anniversary with a DVD release this summer. He has also directed episodes for such TV shows as La Femme Nikita, Hunter, The A-Team, Lady Blue, Nowhere Man, Blue Thunder, and Raven. Plus, Guy is the founder of Action-slash-Cut Filmmaking Sessions, an individual course for wannabe, I'm sorry, it's an educational course for wannabe filmmakers, as well as the Action-slash-Cut Short Film Competition. He's the perfect guest for Movie Addict Headquarters, so we're very lucky to have him on our show today. Welcome to Movie Addict Headquarters, Guy. Thank you so much, Betty Joan. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's great to have you with us, and you know that I have a lot of questions for you. But first, let's check with Nikki Starr to see if everything is ready in the chat room. Nikki, is the chat open and ready for listeners to sign in? It is, and we're ready to go. Great. Thanks, Nikki. And thanks also to our chatters. We really appreciate them as well as our other listeners, of course. Now, let's get on with the show. Guy, I understand that your wonderful memoir was recognized as a finalist for both the Indie Excellence Book Awards and International Book Awards of 2012. Am I right about that? Yes, you are, and uh, we're very proud of uh, that because there's a lot of books that are entered in these competitions, and uh, I was delighted to be a finalist in both. Well, congratulations on uh, such Thank an you. honor. You know, personally, Guy, I think uh, that title, "Kiss Me Quick Before I Shoot," should get an award of its own. How did you come <laughs> up? How did you come up with that super title? Well, believe it or not, it cost me a little Hawaiian vacation. Uh, my wife usually comes up with all my titles uh, for films and and the things that I do. She's great at it. Uh, and uh, but she has to be taken to a place where she can relax and think. So that ends up costing me a lot of money to take her to places like Hawaii. But uh, as soon as we landed and got on the pool, and she had a um, an umbrella drink in her hand, she just blurted it out. And actually, uh, it was it's a phrase that I've used for years because she come to my sets to visit, uh-huh. and it always seems like she walks in just before I roll camera. So I always have to run up to her and say, kiss me quick before I shoot. 
and she reminded me of that particular paraphrase that I've used for years, and that became the perfect title for the book. That is the perfect title for the book, and of course, I know that the the memoir is uh, not only a, a story about uh, your journey in in Hollywood, but it's also a love story, and and um, so much uh, relating to the to your to your wife is is part of the is part of the book, and I I think that's that's just wonderful that you've put so much uh, emotion into this um, memoir. Thank you, Betty Jo. You know, one of, the, one of the things that I would like to point out about this memoir is that it's unusual in the fact that it also deals with a personal life. And most film memoirs, you know, just deal with the actual industry and experiences on the set. But it doesn't bring in how important it is for a filmmaker to also have a great personal life. And this is one of the things that we're we're pushing right now at film schools and sending the book out to film professors and department chairs because we feel that this book is unique in the sense that you know it encourages filmmakers not only to to go out there and have and and find a passion to have a great career in the industry but to also always make sure that their personal lives are also fulfilled which is very important as we all know absolutely uh, very well said well um i i'm wondering I'm very curious about how you uh, decided to be a filmmaker. When did you decide, and how did it, how did this all come about? You know, it's uh, funny because when I went to college, uh, I I did not go to a film school. I went to Rutgers in New Jersey. I was an engineering major, and I never oh. really had uh, the passion, uh, to be honest with you, in the early years uh, to be a filmmaker. Uh, I know that people like Steven Spielberg and Jim Cameron were making films when they were, you know, 12 and 15, and I didn't have that particular passion uh, until I got out of college with a philosophy degree I ended up with and had no idea what to do. And uh, I started thinking around uh, age 25, what is it that I love the most doing? And that was going to the movies, literally just going to the movies. I, I, my parents predicted me. You too, <laughs> since I was a kid, uh, to the movies a lot. And, uh, you know, it was just part of my life to go almost every week to the movies. So when I thought, well, if I love going to the movies so much, maybe I would love making them. But I was smart enough to think and know how hard it is and how competitive it is in Hollywood to, ha to come here and become a director. So I decided to do the thing that I recommend to everybody at first, is to go find out if you love the process, because the process is very difficult. It's very difficult to make any movie. Even a two-minute movie is very involving. It takes days and weeks to make those things. So I wanted to go find out if I enjoyed the process, which I think is very important, is to love filmmaking before you're going to get into it because it is such a difficult journey. So I went to film school in London to find out if I literally liked making movies, and that's oh. where I fell in love with the process. So for me, I became a filmmaker in film school when I fell in love with all the steps that it takes to tell a story from start to end. Wow, and and you certainly know uh, how to how to do that. I can tell from from this uh, from this wonderful. Well, it's been memoir. a fun ride. Well, you've I mean the experiences that you've had and uh, the people that you've you've worked with, and I was so pleased to see so many. Um, praiseworthy <laughs> comments about about your memoir too. I, I well, love this you. one from from uh, Joe Alves. I believe he's production was production designer for Jaws. 
and close encounters of the third kind. And I love this because this is the way I, I felt too. Finally, he says, a book for all who love the movies written by a filmmaker who has walked the walk in TV and films. And he calls it a unique treat inside of the real Hollywood. And I think that's uh, that, that's the way I, I feel. I love these uh, books with inside stories and the and the people that you've you've worked with is uh, t- tell us a little bit about uh, your experience with um, James uh, Cameron. Well, I met James uh, very early on, actually, on my very first feature. I was doing a monster movie, a summer camp monster movie, and I was looking for a very cheap designer, somebody I could afford to build my creature, um, this monster that was going to run around the woods. And I heard about this guy that was working for Roger Corman. And in case some of you don't know who Roger Corman is, he's, he's famous for doing a lot of movies, very, very low budget, and giving a lot of filmmakers from Martin Scorsese to Francis Coppola uh, their start. And Jim Cameron was working for him at the time on a movie, uh, you know, some $3 movie. And uh, I went over to visit him, and he showed me his work, which he was doing, uh, miniature work, which he was doing on his kitchen table at home, which was just amazing. And by the way, looked a lot like the beginnings and the seeds of Avatar, interestingly enough. Really? And I fell in love with, I fell in love with his work and his passion. He was 24 years old, and I hired him. I hired him to build this creature. We became friends for three months, worked together. He built a great creature. Pictures of it are on our website and also in the book. And uh, unfortunately, at the very last minute before we were going to make the movie, Roger found out that Jim was going to leave him, and yeah. Roger uh, didn't want Jim to leave because he recognizes great talent as he has throughout his career and begged Jim to stay and uh, told him that if he stayed, he would let him direct his first film. And indeed, a year later, he gave Jim his first feature, which was Piranha 2. So that was my yeah. uh, my meeting of, with Jim when, when I hired him very early on in his career, and uh, we were friends for about three months. And funny enough, I sent him a signed copy uh, a couple months ago, and about a few weeks ago I received an email from him telling me how much he enjoyed the book and thought it was extremely personal. And, uh, of course, you know, thank me for all the good things I say about him. So it was a real thrill to to meet James Cameron early on, which, you know, in my book I called, you know, the greatest filmmaker uh, of our generation. Well, he just uh, – did you have any inkling back then that uh, – You know, it's a good question, and I mentioned that in the book. Um, You could tell he was extremely talented. You could tell he was extremely dedicated. You could tell he was just a guy who would work 26 hours a day on an idea. But there was no way to know that he would become the most successful director, uh, you know, in mankind's history. And uh, for a guy to make the one number one and the number two films, the biggest films ever, box office wise, there was no way to know that was going to happen. But uh, I knew that he was extremely bright, dedicated, and talented. Remember, by then he hadn't directed anything, so there wasn't much mm-hmm. to see. So you had a had a part there in discovering James I did. Cameron. I did. Yes, but, absolutely. Uh, well, congratulations for that. Well, I that's great that you you heard heard back from him. And yeah, uh, have you heard back from Drew Barrymore? I loved I loved that incident <laughs> that you that you tell about Drew Drew Barrymore. Tell our listeners how you almost decapitated little Drew. Yeah, that was a really crazy story. Um, her mother was friends with my wife Jackie, and my wife Jackie works in retail. And she had, 
she had uh, loaned her a gown for some award show. This is about a year after E.T., so Drew was about eight years old. And for some crazy reason, the mother decided at 2 in the morning to return the dress. And, of course, we were asleep by then, so she was going to leave it on our porch. And we woke up thinking there were, you know, uh, uh, people who were about ready to break into our home. And I uh, grabbed my machete and went to the front door uh, in case uh, there was going to be any kind of strange uh, uh, weirdness going on. And when I heard footsteps outside the door, I opened it and almost swung down and screamed. And they screamed even louder than me. And poor Drew was completely freaked out that this crazy man in the pajamas was holding a machete over her head. So that was one of the craziest idea, uh, <laughs> things that happened in Hollywood. <laughs> Have you heard back from Drew? No, I haven't heard back yet, but I'm sure I will someday because she used to love Jackie. Jackie used to babysit for her when she was much younger, so maybe because of that connection one day we'll hear from her. Yes, I, I think maybe she hasn't uh, hasn't uh, read it yet, but she should no, do that. No, she's been busy get, getting get married that. again lately. Yeah, that's true, busy busy <laughs> doing that. And then and then you you talked a, a little bit uh about uh, my, of course, my heartthrob now is uh, one of them is Johnny Depp. Oh yeah. And you talked a little bit about this, uh, an experience you had with him early in his career, which I was hoping you'd you'd relate to our listeners because a lot of them are fans of Johnny Depp too. Well, it's funny, you know, you meet these artists early on in their careers, and and they seem, you know, quite normal and very non-starry, and it's just interesting to see how, you know. Uh, you have great uh, great magic that happens in certain careers and that moves people along. When I met him, he was extremely young. This is before 21 Jump Street, and he was extremely shy oh. and extremely uh, not very confident as an actor. I mean, this was a very, very laid-back, quiet kid on the set. And it's just fascinating how destiny and, uh, you know, certain things that happen in careers that can move people forward and then propel them magically to the very top. Um, right. I had done a, he, he just came in to guest star for a Lady Blue that I did, which was a, a police show in Chicago. And yes. the funny part about that was actually uh, here in L.A. when I went to visit the executive producer who was trying to show me at a meeting how to shoot Johnny Depp at the end because he played a bad kid and uh, he does get <laughs> shot in the end. And uh, believe it or not, as he was showing me bullet hits to the shoulder, he, he was so uh, animated doing it that he actually went backwards in his chair and uh, <laughs> and crashed, And uh, which was one of the weirdest meetings I've ever had with me running around trying to help him back up again. But, uh, you know, it was funny that Johnny Depp will never know how dedicated his executive producer was back in Los Angeles trying to show me how to shoot him. <laughs> That's right. Well, and he certainly did take off. His career certainly did take oh off. Oh, my that, God, absolutely. That, that is for sure. Well, I, I just didn't, uh, enjoy so much uh, reading about and hearing those uh, inside stories. Yeah, it's really that, it's really fun uh, during a uh, career when you meet people early on and uh, – you know, you, 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 as much as you enjoy working with them, you, you never have any idea whatsoever what's about to happen to them in the next five to ten years, and it's pretty, it's pretty amazing to watch. It, it certainly is. Well, well, I've um, 
told you some of my favorites there of your uh, of your book, uh, but there's so much so much in it. Um, are there other favorite parts of the book or, or situations that you'd like to to talk about? Um, uh, one of them in particular, which is very unusual, uh, was actually on a personal uh, level, but it will it will show you what a filmmaker thinks about. And mm-hmm. when I asked Jackie to get married, I didn't want a traditional wedding. I wanted to do something that was different, something that was more visual, more colorful. And uh, I came up with this idea of uh, doing a Renaissance wedding in Renaissance clothes, uh, which became my Errol Flynn day because there I was with knee-high boots and a sword running around during my wedding day. But what was real fun was... When Jackie came out uh, in a, a horse-drawn carriage, and there were 300 guests, you know, uh, whose mouths were open because we had the trumpets blowing <laughs> as she came out, and it was just an amazingly magical moment. And as soon as she got off the carriage, four guys who were stuntmen friends of mine and actors who were dressed in period clothing went through the crowd yelling at them and grabbed Jackie and told everybody they were kidnapping her. Oh. Nobody knew this was going to happen, so everybody was completely stunned and amazed at the theatrics. And, of course, the knight in shining armor comes running out, which was me, and uh, has words with him, and then by swords we started dueling, and I actually, of course, beat all four and won the bride's hand. So this is how a filmmaker thinks about a wedding and thinks about... (laughs) You know, the dramatics of of how how to make it unique and how to make it memorable and how to make it romantic. And, you know, to fight for my wife's hands uh, was something that I would never forget. And there are pictures in the book and on the website uh, which are extremely colorful to look at. And even this whole excerpt, wedding excerpt, uh, was just uh, published by the Huffington Post uh, on their website. So it was an amazing uh, experience in my life that I share in the book as a filmmaker. Well, your your wife is so lucky. (laughs) We're we're both lucky. To have a memorable memorable wedding like that, I I just love it. I think that's that's so so romantic and and so... So much uh, fun, and well, of course, you you your uh, resume includes uh, so many movies. Uh, I didn't get a chance to mention them all in TV projects, but do you have any that you um, that are your favorites? I know that our listeners would be interested in the uh, DVD for retrib- retribution because we have a lot of horror fans who listen to the listen to the show. Yeah, so, that, this uh, is. A personal favorite of mine, and I think most filmmakers will tell you that their first film, you know, probably holds uh, a little more emotion than most other projects because it is the first one. It's like your first kid almost. And, uh, you know, Retribution was made back in 1987 Mm. and uh, was one of those projects that, you know, you look for money with an independent investor, a real indie kind of movie that I know, you know, a lot of young filmmakers dream about. And I got very lucky uh, because I was able to find to find one investor. Usually, it takes five or ten or twenty guys to put together enough money for you to go make your movie. I got really lucky, and it will only happen once in my lifetime where I got one guy, and he was very wealthy, and he put up a million two fifty, a million and a quarter, wow. yeah, to make retribution, which at the time for me was I was inspired by The Exorcist and Soul Possession. So I wanted mm-hmm. to make a movie about that, about soul possession. 
and uh, that's what the movie is about. And uh, amazingly enough, here we are 25 years later. The DVD never came out because it was the year just before DVD started coming out. I so see. the movie was released on VHS at the time, and there was never a DVD of it. So about two years ago when I realized the 25th anniversary was coming up, I started looking for a distributor and found one who was willing to take Retribution, which has since become kind of a cult film for the thriller mm -hmm thriller genre uh, fans and uh, believe it or not two weeks ago it came out um, you can go to coderedvd.com coderedvd.com and you can purchase mm -hmm. it there and uh, you can go to uh, get in touch with me and I'll, I'll be happy to get in touch put you in touch with them but people can actually buy the DVD and what's really fun about it besides of course the film uh, holding up 25 years early in the mm -hmm. sense that it doesn't have any computer-generated effects like like films today do. Everything was oh. done on camera, on set, which is amazing, uh, without any computer graphics or computer help. And also, one of the bonus features is a two-hour commentary as you watch the movie with me explaining everything I did and why. So it's sure. a great learning experience for filmmakers. And it's only 20 bucks, and they can own it uh, forever. Oh, that what a great idea that is. And yeah. I I noticed that Video Weekly um ha had this blurb about it called uh called Retribution a very accomplished slice of demonic possession. Ooh. Yeah, we got a lot of really good reviews uh, when the film came out. <laughs> well, well, I I would uh, urge listeners to um to check out Retribution and to go to Code Red dot com or uh get in touch with uh with guy now you uh your website for the book is is just excellent and well thank I, you so much i recommend that and that's a very simple uh website to remember because it's just www dot and then the title of the book correct yeah kiss me quick before i should dot com and uh, uh -huh. there's also a wonderful film blog that talks about film and pieces from the book. If you're a film lover and you love the movies, you can sign up. And um, whenever we blog, uh, you'll receive it in your email. So I would welcome people to join up. Yes, I, I think that's a, that's a very good idea for, for movie addicts to do just that. So what other movies uh, or uh, TV projects that you've worked on uh, would you like to talk about, or that were your favorites, or the people that you worked with in these uh, in these uh, productions? I did a movie that was called Look in Italian, which also is close to my heart because I did the one thing that you're never supposed to be to do, no matter how big of a movie addict you are, and that is to put up your own money to make a movie. <laughs> so as you know, everybody tells you never to do that, and uh, but you know sometimes you find a project that that you feel so close to and you're so connected with that uh, you know you decide the only way I'm going to do this my way and the way I want to make it was to invest myself and that meant taking out you know savings and uh, all sorts of uh, every single dollar even uh, I borrowed about 100,000 from different friends and family I mean when you when you find a project that you have got to get made and you want to make it your way which means have nobody tell you what to do then you got to yeah. you got to finance it yourself and that's the only way because whoever puts up the money usually has the power. So, What's look at Italian about. Look at Italian is uh, is uh, is a two character piece basically about an uncle who used to be in the mafia in New York and accidentally shoots 
his best friend, and he becomes so depressed that he leaves the mafia, moves to Los Angeles, and is working as a clerk in a bookstore in a very depressed life. And one day his uh, young nephew comes to visit him, who is full of life and uh, really heals his uncle. So it's about a, a young man who heals a family member, and uh, there's a lot of drama because we find out that the best friend he killed was actually the nephew's son, uh, the nephew's dad, sorry. So there's a lot of tremendous emotions that are involved, and it's a real emotional melodrama kind of a piece. And it was really my, uh, you know, my homage to Martin Scorsese and to the Italian-American world, uh, which is something I'm very close to. Most of my friends are Italian, and I'm studying to uh, speak Italian, and uh, I love everything that's Italian. So look you at sound Italian a little meant, Italian. You sound a little I do, Italian, I do, but I know you're I'm not. I'm from New York, and I kept that accent. <laughs> well, that sounds like a fascinating movie. I hope it's available on Netflix. Because yeah, it is available of... on Netflix. And one of the cool parts about it, by the way, quickly, is that it's the first uh, film that Matt LeBlanc ever did. He did it just before he did Friends. Really? It's also, uh, I don't know if people remember Lou Rawls, the singer, but it's also oh, his first feature. Unfortunately, he passed away a few years ago, but it's, if people love Lou Rawls, they will love his performance of his. It's his first one. Well, I'm going to be sure to check that out. You also worked with uh, with somebody who's a very uh, a sort of a, considered a, a list actor that I, I like very much now, Josh Brolin. Oh yeah, Josh uh, was on a show called The Young Writers, which was a television series and one of the only Western series that, that's ever been on television. And uh, we shot that in Arizona, and I uh, had to go down there. And, uh, you know, doing westerns is like one of the great, great joys of every filmmaker. Uh, it's just it's just like, you know, one of those dream jobs uh, that you get to deal with, you know, horses and gunfights and all sorts of crazy, very macho male kind of oriented uh, fantasies but uh, it was that's why I met Josh and I really enjoyed working with him and here's another guy who kind of came out of nowhere and uh, you know 15 years later found great stardom absolutely and just uh, doing all kinds of roles I mean very very diverse I think we should take time now to check with uh, with uh, Nikki for uh, a chat report and um, I think there's uh, we've had a, had a request, but it's uh, it's a little bit off the subject. But when you're talking about uh, New York, I think maybe this would work. So, oh, sure. uh, Nikki, uh, what's happening in the chat? Well, we just had a request from um, Comedy Concept. She said, "Hey, Betty, ask people to vote for my friend Tom Cotter on America's Got Talent tonight." I think he's from New York, and she is so. Yes, Nancy Lombardo is the host of Comedy Concepts here on uh, Blog Talk Radio. Wonderful show. And she does uh, a lot of uh, very, very funny gigs in in New York. And uh, so her friend Tom Cotter, I believe, is he the the ventriloquist? I'm not sure. But anyway, he's... He's on America's Got Talent tonight, and she's asking for our listeners to uh, to vote for him. So, so oh, hi, you, uh, you New Yorkers, you. <laughs> that's right. They, they stick together. Okay, These okay. New Yorkers stick together. Well, thank you, and thanks, uh, Nancy, for um, for signing up for the chat. Uh, you, you do that. You're always so loyal about it. And she has a comedy 
CD out called uh, Color Me Crazy, which is hilarious. So if you get a chance, listeners, um, be sure to uh, to check out Nancy's um, CD. So um, so thanks for your patience, You're that guy. We're back. We're back now. No uh, problem. To, Those to New guy. Yorkers. Yeah, that's right. It's for <laughs> it's for New Yorkers. That's <laughs> where I'm from, so they're dear to my heart. We we love the we love New Yorkers, but well, um, I was also interested, and I know some of our listeners um, are interested in going into filmmaking, and um, you're perfect uh, to give some advice along those lines. Uh, what do you emphasize in your seminars that are called the Action Cut Filmmaking Seminars? What I think is important is to, number one, understand the process. And this is true for anyone, whether you want to be a writer, a director, a cameraman, an actor. I think it's really important to understand the process of how it all happens. You know, and obviously it all happens with a written page. And, you know, what it takes to be a screenwriter, how do you get into that world, um, the agent that you need that's going to sell you to the producers. And then, you know, if you're a director, how do you put together a showreel that can get you a job. Uh, there's a lot more of those on TV than there are in features, so that's why I recommend people to start like where I did. Same with actors. Uh, you need a great reel uh, that shows, you know, in maybe two or three scenes that are maybe a minute, a minute and a half long, your range. And, you know, can you do different things? Can you do great drama? Can you do great comedy? Can you do a great monologue? And if all of that can happen, you know, on a reel, uh, then you need an agent that can get that reel seen around town. And again, whether you're a writer writing screenplays, an actor or director, you're going to need to show something. There is nobody who gets hired for no reason. Everyone is going to want to see something. So the way you start out is by, number one, learning the process. And the best way to do that is by studying. Whether you want to be an actor or a cameraman or an editor, uh, studying filmmaking and the process from A to Z, and then finding out what it is in this process that you love and want to do, and then being able to focus on getting something done that shows off your talent, mm-hmm. and then getting finding a way to get that piece, whether it's on paper or on a piece of video, shown, and that makes sense. for somebody to hire you. <laughs> Yeah, and once you're yeah. hired, you're off and running. Yeah, well, how do, um, if somebody wanted to sign up for one of your seminars, what's the procedure for that? Uh, we have a website uh, by the name of Action Cut, C-U-T, actioncut.com. And uh, on that website, there are three things. It talks about the seminars, and uh, it also talks about, you know, if if you don't want to travel to a seminar city, you can always order it as a home film course. It's 12 hours long, oh. and we send it out uh, on DVD to uh, people who want to purchase the course. And uh, people who have shorts and want to be able to get the short seen, uh, we do a competition every year called the Action Cut Short Film Competition and give out awards. And uh, we actually, on September 1st, which is coming up in a couple of days, we announce our winners and people can actually go on actioncut.com and see the winners every year because oh. we show them online. Oh, that's great. That's, yeah, that's for movie addicts that... who want to see shorts and young filmmakers starting out, it's a great way to do it. Well, we get such a – we just don't get enough chances to see uh, short films. Well, now you uh, do at actioncut.com. 
And that's it. I've, I've written it down here. Actioncut.com. Where we and can on go September first, uh, we announce the winners, and you can go see them then. Oh, great! Which I'm is Saturday. Yeah, oh, that's right. <laughs> that is this Saturday. So every Wonderful. September first, you can come to Action Cut and see that that year's crop of winners. Excellent. Oh, I'm going to I'm going to be sure and do that, and I I hope a lot of our listeners will will do that too. You're all well, welcome. I'm I'm um, I'm hoping that you will agree to uh, this. Might be emotional for you, but I was hoping that you would be willing to share. Uh, some of uh, the information that's in your book about about your love, your particular love story. Well, um, are you referring to thirty years of uh, wonderful happiness, or are you referring to uh, three years ago, Jackie getting ill? Well, whatever, whatever you would like to share. I, I just think it's such a beautiful love story, and I also realize that the reason you wrote this book was because you were uh you were sitting in a hospital room. Yes. <laughs> and if you could share if you could share that it, sure. it, I think um, we we would love to hear it. You know, I we want to be supportive uh, Jackie and I of everyone out there who might be going through an illness or has a parent or a child or somebody going through a major illness. Um you know, we were lucky that we were very healthy and didn't have any major illnesses most of the three decades that Jackie and I have been together uh, until Thanksgiving of 2008 when out of the blue, and these things do happen out of the blue, Jackie was diagnosed with leukemia. And uh, it's just something that, you know, comes around and completely changes your life. And I put my entire career on hold to focus on healing Jackie. And it's a life-changing experience when a major illness hits someone in your immediate family so the first thing i want to say is that our hearts go out to everyone listening who might be going through such a situation or who may soon uh, because it takes a lot of strength and a lot of love to be able to get through an experience like that uh just to make a long story short uh we went we ended up what you have to do is find the best doctor and the best treatment possible and that takes a tremendous amount of research thank god we have we're in the age of the internet and Google, and you know I was spending like eight, nine, ten hours a day doing research on blood cancers and you know where are the best trials in the country and where are the best hospitals? Who is the best doctor? And by doing a tremendous amount of work, uh, we found out who was the best doctor for Jackie and the best hospital, which turned out to be City of Hope, which is about 45 minutes outside of Los Angeles. And they did an incredible job, and uh, she ended up getting a stem cell transplant and uh, healed. And uh, that's what it takes when people have major illnesses. And we want to encourage everybody, if that ever happens in their family, to you know, be able to find the very best doctor and the very best treatment. A lot of people have a hard time doing that, but I want to encourage it because that's what saved Jackie. Well, uh, that's very, very good advice, and um, I applaud you for donating some of your uh, profits from just me quick yes. <laughs> before I shoot to the city of to the city of hope I yes, think that's it's very... an incredible place one of those you know one of those places that becomes close to your heart uh, and uh, just for the record they just had uh, earlier this year the 10,000th blood transplant 
for bone marrow, so which is leading the nation. So it's a it's a nation leading hospital as far as uh, bone marrow transplants. Yes, and um, um, I'm I'm so glad that it had this happy this happy ending. It it really it really does. Uh, oh, you have to go through so much. Well, I got to tell you, it's uh, it's what's interesting, and I'll just tell you a quick footnote uh, of interest is that you know these treatments sometimes last a long time, and sometimes they don't. And as far as Jackie was concerned, just to bring everybody up to date, her treatment lasted uh, three years, which were long and wonderful. Uh, but in April of this year, she had a relapse, and uh, we're back at City of Hope, and we're oh. back doing the same chemo, and she's about ready to do a new transplant. So, you know, sometimes these things come back, and you have to roll up yes. your sleeves and uh, go back in there and fight the good fight. So you, I'm bringing you up to date on a very personal level that uh, yes. Jackie is fighting uh, her relapse right now. Well, our our thoughts and prayers are Thank are you. with you are with you are with you both and Thank you. uh we'll we'll be definitely thinking about you and um by by what you just said and um I just will will be will be thinking about you and Thank Jackie. you so much. So And that whole medical very, journey three years ago is in the book, so if somebody wants yes. to be able to know how to get through something like that, it's all in the book. Yes, it is, and it's it's uh, so well, uh, so well written. And thank you um, so much. What's the most important thing you want listeners about you, Guy? Uh, I'm sorry, you cut out for a second. What, what was the question? What's the most important thing you want listeners to know about you? Oh, I think that uh, what what the memoir reflects is to live a life as fully and as happy as one can uh, to have the courage to pursue the things that you want to pursue even if they're difficult like a directing career in Hollywood for example for an immigrant um, which was as difficult as could be for me to choose way back then I think that it's really important uh, to find just the right person to be your soulmate in life, and I think sometimes people tend to hurry that when when they want to get married at 18 or 19 or 20, uh, which I never understood why people want to get married so young instead of waiting for just the right person. I was 34 years old before I met Jackie, so and that turned into 30 years of immense happiness that continues to this day. So one of the things that I would like the spirit that I would like people to know, which is all in the memoir, is to live life to the fullest, find your soulmate, live life as happily as you possibly can, and in the smartest possible way, making the right decisions as you're going along. Because at the end, it's all about following our dreams. And I think that we all, each one of us, needs to follow our own dreams. And what I'm hoping this memoir will do will be to encourage people to do just that, to follow your dreams. We only live once, so I think that during that once we've got to maximize our lives, and I encourage everybody to have the strength to follow their dreams and be as happy as they can be in finding them. Well said. I um, I really uh, believe that, too, and I'm so sorry to see that that we're almost out of time. Uh, yeah, I, and I, I really enjoyed uh, chatting with you, and uh, hope all the movie addicts out there have enjoyed it. 
have, and I want to encourage the, our listeners to go to your excellent uh, website, Guy, and to check out the uh, the short films on ActionCut.com right. and the uh, and the uh, seminars that are that are being offered there, the educational sessions. You you've just been such a wonderful guest today. Thank, Thank you, you so much. It's been oh, just inspirational and fun talking with you but back at is, you betty joe thank you and we'll uh, we'll hope to have you back on the show again in the in the future it would and, be my uh, pleasure and uh give my regards to uh to jackie will you uh, well, do that and thank you and thank you and nikki for uh having me uh, uh guest on the show i really enjoyed it well it's been our great pleasure and honor to to have you so bye for now guy thank you everybody take care bye-bye what a great guy and what a terrific interview but it is time to wrap things up now so this is betty joe tucker giving a big shout out to the folks at blog talk radio for featuring this episode as one of today's picks we really appreciate it and special thanks to uh, nikki um, our chatters and other listeners. I see that we we did have T. L. Walker who joined us, who did such a great job this morning on the uh, uh, Wacko in the Morning show, and uh, Jerry Seavers, and of course Nancy Lombardo. We've had some guests uh, popping in and out. And um, uh, Nikki, is there anything you would like to add about uh, today's show? I think maybe Nikki has uh, has been uh, cut off, but I'm I'm sure that she that she enjoyed the show, and I hope everyone else did did too. Please come back next time for another spirited discussion about movies. In the meantime, don't you forget to check out our film reviews at realtalkreviews.com. That's R E E L realtalkreviews.com. That's all for now, folks. So because last week. Um, Gene Kelly's 100th birthday celebration was held. I'd like to close the show today with a reminder of his exceptional talent. And I think everyone knows what song that will be. I'm singing in the rain, just singing in the rain. What a glorious feel, and I'm happy again. I'm laughing at clouds. Dark up above The sun's in my heart And I'm ready for love Let the stormy clouds chase Everyone from the place Come on with the rain I will smile on my face I'll walk down the lane With a hand Refrain, just singing, singing in the rain, dancing in the rain. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
I'm happy again.